ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except allah alone and that he has no partners or associates i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger this evening bismillah ta'ala we would like to begin a short course in al-aqida and al-manhaj which is taken from one of the brief essays of al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab al-Tamimi al-Najdi rahimahullah and that essay it is entitled al-usul as-sitta al-usul as-sitta the six fundamentals and although this particular essay is not as well known as some of the other books of al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah indeed it is of importance and of great significance for the muslims wherever they may be this book al-usul as-sitta though it is very brief we have been fortunate to find a sharh which is also relatively brief explaining some of the points that al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah intended to express in this brief essay before beginning the reading of the book i would like to just quickly uh summarize what has been written concerning the biography one of the brief biographies of al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab He is al-Imam al-Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman ibn Ali ibn Muhammad ibn Ahmad ibn Rashid ibn Burayd ibn Muhammad ibn Mushrif ibn Umar min awhaba bani Tamim yani one of the he is from one of the branches of the tribe Bani Tamim he was born Uh, in the land of Oyaina in the year 1115 of the Hijri calendar 1115 of the Hijri calendar to a family of knowledge and honor a religious family his father was a great scholar and so likewise was his grandfather was one of the biggest scholars of his time he memorized the Quran before reaching the age of puberty 
approximately 10 years of age, and he studied fiqh until he had memorized a good portion of it. And his memory, his ability to memorize, amazed his father. And indeed, he had re read many of the books of tafsir and hadith and was eager in seeking knowledge day and night and in memorizing the texts of many of the books of the Islamic sciences, in different sciences. And he traveled in search of knowledge to the different areas of Nejd, the area that he was living in, and as well he went to Mecca and he studied with the scholars there and also traveled to Al-Madinah and Nabawiyah, the city of the Prophet and studied with the scholars of Medina, including the great scholar Al-Allama al-Shaykh Abdullah ibn Ibrahim al-Shammari and his son, the son of Shaykh Abdullah ibn Ibrahim, the great scholar of Qara'id or inheritance, Shaykh Ibrahim al-Shammari. And he also studied with the great scholar Shaykh Muhammad Hayat al-Sindi, from whom he learned the science of hadith and the narratives of hadith, and he was given ijazah or permission to narrate and to teach Al-Ummahat, yani the main books of Hadith. Indeed, he had been given a great understanding and intelligence, and he had much knowledge due to his reading and research and writing. And he used to write down whatever he came across of beneficial matters during his reading and during his research and he never became tired of writing. Indeed, he has written out by hand many of the books of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and his student Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, and those makhtutat or handwritten manuscripts that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has written by hand, many of them still remain in the museums. When he died, or when his father died, he began to openly call to a da'wah at Salafiyyah Yani calling to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rebuking and refuting the evil that was around him and opposing the people of Bid'ah and others of the Mushrikeen and those who were practicing shirk. And he was also supported by the rulers of that time of Ali Saud who strengthened him and helped his message to spread. Of the books that he has written, there are many from amongst them. The most famous of those books is that which we have studied previously. It is Kitab al-Tawheed and likewise Kashf al-Shubahat, al-Kaba'ir, the major sins, the Mukhtasar of Zad al-Ma'ad, uh, and so many other books. He died in the year 1206. Rahimahullah, may Allah reward him for the benefit he has given to Islam and the Muslims. Indeed, Allah is the one who hears and who is able to answer. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. And due to lack of time, I have summarized to a great extent the biography that has been given here. However, we have previously given his biography in a more complete form in the beginning of the course of Kitab al-Tawheed when we began that book. Uh, it was also my intention to give a brief biography of the Sharih, that is the one who has explained this book, Al-Usul, 
a sister. And in fact, I have written out sort of a summary of the biography of the explainer of Usul al-Sitta that is Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen is well known perhaps to most of us. Uh, he was born in the city of Uneza in the area of Qasim on the 27th of Ramadan in the year 1347. And which is equivalent in the Western calendar and the Gregorian calendar to 1926. He was born also to a religious family and he received his education from many of the prominent scholars like his first and main sheikh, Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, Sheikh Muhammad Amin al-Shanqiti, the great scholar of Tafsir of our era, and also his second main sheikh, Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, rahimahumullah. For the sake of time, and again I will summarize his biography, and we have already mentioned his biography previously in the introduction to his explanation of Lumat al-Itiqad, and also in the explanation of his book, Minhaj Ahl al-Sunnah al-Aqeed wal-Amal. So for the sake of time, we will just say that he had many students inside Saudi Arabia and from outside Saudi Arabia, and he was well known for his unique style of interpretation and explanation of religious issues, and especially his ijtihad and qiyas, and in the matters of usul al-deen, yani usul al-fiqh and usul al-deen, in matters of aqidah and in matters of fiqh. Uh, and he was also well known for his giving religious verdicts based on the Qur'an and Sunnah, even if they differed with his madhab, with the madhab of Al-Hanabila, the madhab of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah. And he used to make his fatwa based on the evidence that he knew from the Qur'an and Sunnah, even if it differed with that which was found in his madhab. He taught at the Jamiat al-Imam Muhammad ibn Saud, Islamic University in Qasim, and he was a member of, member of the senior scholars of Saudi Arabia and the Imam Khatib of the uh, Grand Masjid in the city of Uneza, and he died in Mecca on the 15th of Shawwal, 1421, in the year 2001 at the age of 74. Allah's mercy and favor be showered upon him. Both Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, who has written this brief essay, Al-Usul al-Sitta, as well as Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen, who has given us a brief explanation, are well-known scholars. However, it is of the habit, it is from the custom of the people of knowledge to present something of the biography of those who we take our knowledge from, so that we will know who we are taking from. Al-Usul al-Sitta, it begins, قال المؤلف شيخ الإسلام يعني the author, شيخ الإسلام, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, رحمه الله, said, beginning this book, بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. And he began with the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, and he says, من أعجب العجاب من أعجب العجاب of the most amazing of matters, the most amazing of those things that are amazing. وأكبر الآيات الدالة على قدرة الملك الغلاب ستة الأصول that are the most amazing of matters and the greatest of the ayat or the signs that indicate the qudra, the power of al-malik, al-ghallab, the king, the one who is the overcomer, the 
conqueror, the vanquisher, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the most, of the greatest signs that indicate his power are six fundamentals. Six fundamentals. These six fundamentals, he said, that Allah the Most High has made them clear. And he has made them crystal clear. A bayan after which there is no need for any further clarification. He has made them crystal clear for the common masses of people. Not only for the scholars, but the common man should be able to understand it. These matters, these six fundamentals are matters that have been made crystal clear in the Quran. Beyond what anyone could imagine. The clarity of these matters. And after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made these matters crystal clear in the Quran, by clear text, innumerable texts, in different ways, after he has made it clear so that the common people could understand it, then after this, Many of the most intelligent of the people in the world and the most rational or reasonable or intellectual of the children of Adam, of the human beings, they have erred in it. After Allah made it crystal clear that the common masses can understand it, then the most intelligent and intellectual of Bani Adam, of the people of the earth, of humanity, have erred in it, they have deviated in it. Except that which is less than a little. Yani, not only a few, but less than a few. Only a few have not erred in it. This is indeed It is indeed an amazing matter. Here, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sali al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah gives an explanation of the first opening words of Shaykh Muhammad, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. He says he's saying, Bismillah. And this is a linguistic explanation, which is a little difficult to explain. However, I will attempt to explain it. And perhaps it will be understood. He said that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab begins with the word, Bismillah. He said the author begin with this, begin his book with the basmala, the words of Bismillah, following the book of Allah, the mighty and the majestic, for indeed it began with Bismillah, yani the Quran began with Bismillah. And following also the Messenger of Allah وسلم, for indeed he used to be, begin with his writings and his letters with the basmala. He used to open the letters and writings that he wrote with this, with these words, Bismillah. Then he gives the grammatical explanation of this expression, Bismillah, Al-Jar, Al-Majroor, yani the preposition in and the noun ism, Bismi Allah. He said that this, Bismillah, he said that it is connected or it is related to a fi'l, a verb which is deleted. And it is also coming later at the end of the expression, and it is related or it is relevant 
or it is surubu for the circumstance of what is being expressed here. The meaning of all of this is that we understand from this expression Bismillah that its meaning is Bismillah at-tubu. And if the verb has been deleted and it came after and it is suitable to what he is saying here, he means to say Bismillah, yani in the name of Allah I begin writing what I am going to write, writing this book. And he said, Shaykh Muhammad says that I give this estimate, the implied meaning of this Bismillah as, it, as being a verb, yani instead of a noun, because the asal of all actions are verbs. And here he is doing an action in the name of Allah. And he said, I have estimated it to be the verb to come after for two benefits. The first of them is at tabarruk and he's seeking the blessing of beginning with the name of Allah. Instead of saying, Aktubu Bismillah, that I begin writing in the name of Allah, he said it is preferable to say, Bismillah, Aktubu, mentioning the name of Allah first, saying, In the name of Allah, I write. And the second benefit is Ifadis al Hasr, that is restricting or limiting the meaning. Because uh, whenever the preposition, yani, Bismillah, this type of expression precedes that which it is related to, then we understand its meaning to be limited. Yani, if he said, Aktubu Bismillah, instead of saying Bismillah Aktubu, the meaning would not be as confined. When you say Bismillah Aktubu, it means that you are writing in the name of Allah and in the name of Allah alone. If you said Aktubu Bismillah, then it's possible that you are writing in the name of Allah and also in the name of someone or something else. So he said it restricts the meaning to what is intended here. He said that I said it is appropriate or suitable, yani the verb that he has uh, estimated to be here, aktubu, because if the verb that he places here is related to the meaning of the sentence, in that case, yani it will be more indicative of what is intended. He means to say, instead of saying, Bismillah, Nabtadi, Nabtadi'u, that in the name of Allah we begin, it is better to say, Bismillah, Aktubu, because actually what he intends here is writing, not just beginning. If you say in the name of Allah I begin, one will not know what you are beginning. But if you say in the name of Allah I read, or in the name of Allah I write, then it is understood exactly what you are doing in the name of Allah. Then he also gives some discussion concerning the expression Allah loves al-Jalala. He said it is a proper noun for al-Bari, that is Allah the Creator. And it is a name that all other names come behind or follow. And it, it, it precedes other names. And every other name has to follow it. And it does not follow any other name. And then he gives the ayah of the Quran in Surah Ibrahim, where it appears as though the name of Allah is following other names. And then he explains any the grammatical structure of this sentence showing how even though Allah's name came after Al-Aziz Al-Hamid, he said that the meaning of it is that here in this case it is not a sifr, yani following the other names, but it is in fact Asif Bayan, yani Allah came after the name Al-Aziz Al-Hamid in Surah Ibrahim uh, verses 1 and 2. It came after them just to clarify who is intended by Al-Aziz Al-Hamid, but it is not following them as a sifr. Then he, he explains also Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and in brief, the meaning of what he said here is that Ar-Rahman, it is one of the names that, are, that is exclusive for Allah alone, and it is not applied to anyone other than him. Ar-Rahman, it is exclusive to Allah alone, and its meaning 
is al-muttasif fi rahma al-wafiyah that he is the one who is described with the rahma that is unlimited that it is that is expensive and ar-rahim it is a name that is used for Allah as well as other than Allah and its meaning is who ar-rahma al-wasila yani he is the one who possesses the rahma that extends to others so he says here that ar-rahman it is the one who possesses the rahma that is extensive and ar-rahim is the one who possesses the rahma that extends to others and when these two names come together then they take on this meaning ar-rahim it means the one who extends his rahma to whomever he wills of his servants and ar-rahman it means the one whose whose rahma or mercy is extensive and he gave here in reference to ar-rahim the ayat in surah al-ankabut chapter 29 verse 21 yu'adhibu man yasha wa yarhamu man yasha wa ilayhi tuqlabun that he is the one who punishes whomever he wills and he grants his mercy to whomever he wills and he is and, and you return to him he is the one to whom you return then he begins with the first statement after bismillah rahman rahim min ajab al ajab that of the most amazing of matters and the greatest of signs that indicate the qudra or the power of the king al malik al ghallab six matters or six fundamentals he says the shaykh al islam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab rahimahullah had given great care and attention to summarize essays rasail al rasail al mukhtasara small essays which could be understood by the common person as well as the student of knowledge and from amongst these essays is this one the six great fundamentals the first of them is al ikhlas wa bayan diddihi wa huwa ash-shirk yani the first of the fundamental issues the six is al ikhlas and here he means by ikhlas at tawhid 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 and ibadah the worship of allah alone and the opposite of it that is ash-shirk the second of them is al ijtima' fi ad-din coming together and uniting that the muslims should be ummatan wahida they should be one ummah they should they are one brotherhood that they should come together wa nahi an at-tafarruq fihi and the prohibition of separation and division in the deen of allah this is the second principle the third principle is as-samu wa ta'a li wulat al-amri hearing and obeying those in authority from amongst the muslims those who are in authority over the muslims hearing and obeying them and the fourth of those issues is bayan al-ilm wal-ulama wal-fiqh wal-fuqaha wa man tashabbaha bihim wa laysa minhum clarification of knowledge and the scholars the people of knowledge and fiqh and the scholars of fiqh and those who resemble them or who imitate them but are not from amongst them this is also an important issue to know who are the real scholars and who are resembling them or imitating them but are not from them the fifth issue is clarification of who are the awliya of allah yani the true awliya of allah not just those who pretend or who appear to do supernatural or miraculous deeds but those who are truly the awliya of allah or those who have iman and taqwa and the last of the fundamental issues is the refutation of the doubt which a shaitan has placed in front of the people and it is the abandonment of the quran and sunnah yani abandoning the quran and sunnah to follow opinions and desires to follow the opinion of whoever whether it is of scholars or other than scholars rulers or leaders following the opinions 
that are in contradiction and are not in agreement with the Quran and Sunnah, abandoning the Quran and Sunnah for following some opinions of the people and our desires. He said that these fundamentals are very important and deserve attention and we seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in explaining them and making comments upon them with whatever Allah, Allah has made easy for us. Al-Usul al-Awwal, the first fundamental that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has given it is ikhlas al-deen lillahi ta'ala wahdahu la sharika la ikhlas al-deen yani making the deen purely for Allah alone here is by ikhlas he means making the deen for Allah alone means worship making the worship for Allah alone not worshiping or giving any type of worship to other than Allah la sharika lahu and not joining anyone as an associate or a partner with Allah in this deen or in this ibadah that belongs to Allah alone. Ikhlas al-deen lillah, it means tawheed al-ibadah, singling out Allah for worship alone without having any partner. وَبَيَّانُ دِلِّهِ الَّذِي هُوَ الشِّرْكِ بِاللَّهِ And clarification of the opposite of ikhlas al-deen lillah, the opposite of it, it is a shirk billah, associating something or someone as an equal, a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the first principle, ikhlas al-deen for Allah and, and clarification of the opposite of it, that is the shirk. وَكَوْنَ أَكْثَرُ الْقُرْآنِ فِي بَيَانِ هَذَا الْعَصْرِ And the fact that most of the Qur'an is concerned with clarification of this principle. Most of the Qur'an is dealing with this matter alone. يعني the, the fact that worship belongs to Allah alone, and the warning against the opposite of it, offering it to other than Allah. The Quran deals mostly with this principle. Min wuju shatta, from different and diverse perspectives, not in one way, but in many ways. Bi kalamin yafhamu abladu al-ama, with speech. The Quran clarifies this issue from different perspectives, with speech that is understood by the, the most stupid or the most ignorant of the common masses. And the person who is not considered to be intelligent can understand it. Then when most of the ummah fell into, or when they reached the condition that they reached, meaning being far away from the understanding of the deen, and far away from practicing or implementing the deen properly. When most of the ummah fell into this condition or reached that state, أَظْهَرَ لَهُمْ الشَّيْطَانِ الْإِخْلَاصَ فِي سُورَةِ فَنَقْقُصَ الصَّالِهِينَ وَالتَّقْسِيرَ فِي حُقُوقِهِمْ At that time, Shaytan, لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ he, he made the ikhlas Ya'ani, the tawheed of ibadah for Allah alone, he made it to appear in the shape or in the form as though the one who worships Allah alone, it is tanaqqus as-saliheen. It is as though that one has belittled or lowered the status of the righteous. Ya'ani, the one who refused to worship the saints or those who are in the grave, for the exclusive worship of Allah alone, shaitan made the people think that this, worshipping Allah alone and not offering worship to other than Allah, whether it is sacrifice or supplication or love or whatever, he said he made it to appear in the form or in the shape as though it is tanaqqus as-saliheen, belittling or lowering the status of the righteous. وَالتَّقْسِيرِ فِي حُقُوقِهِمْ 
and falling short in fulfilling their rights. The rights that the righteous, the Salihin, or the awliya of Allah are entitled to. It is as though whoever doesn't worship them, or whoever doesn't call on them, or whoever doesn't trust or hope or rely upon them, but relies upon Allah alone, it is as though he has fallen short in fulfilling the rights of the Salihin. This is the image or the picture that Shaytan has given to the Muslims when they reach that condition. And likewise, وَأَظْهَرَ لَهُمْ الشِّرْكِ and likewise, he has made the shirk of Allah, making shirk with Allah, he has made it to appear in the form as though the one who falls into shirk, who practices shirk, who worships, gives any type of worship to other than Allah, he has made it to appear in a shape or in a form as though this is in fact not shirk, but it is love of the righteous. And if you call on the so-called salihin or the awliya of Allah, or if you make sacrifice to them, or if you put your hope in them, or if you rely upon them, he made this, which is in fact shirk, he made it appear as though it is mahabba, that it is really, truly love of the salihin and the awliya of Allah and the followers. This is indeed a great principle that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has given here, and if it is understood, it will clarify that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet of Allah وسلم, have made clear in the Quran and the authentic, Sunnah, by which has been abandoned by too many, if not most, of the Muslims in the world today. This is the principle that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has given, and the Sharh of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his Sharh, he said the statement, Ikhlasuddin lillahi ta'ala, wahdahu la sharika la, that making the deen purely for Allah alone, without having any partners in that worship that is given to Allah. He said that the meaning of this ikhlas, al-ikhlas lillah, its meaning, and yaqsuda al-mar'u bi-ibadatihi at-taqarrub ila Allah ta'ala wa tawassul ila dari karamatihi. Yani the meaning of ikhlas lillah, it means that a person should intend by his worship, he should intend to get near to Allah. He should have as his intention in any worship that he does, should his, pure, his intention should be purely doing it to get near to Allah and to reach the place that Allah has made for those who He has honored. The place of honor, that is Al-Jannah. And the way to do this, it is that the servant, that the person should be pure and sincere for Allah in his qasd, in his niyyah. In his intention, it should be purely for Allah alone. Yani whatever a person does, he should make sure that his intention is purely for Allah alone. Mukhlisan lillahi fi mahabbatihi. And he should be sincere and purely, his love should be purely for Allah alone. Wa mukhlisan lillahi ta'ala fi ta'adhimihi. And he should also be mukhlis or sincere in his ta'adhim of Allah alone. Yani his glorification and exaltation and honoring of Allah alone. He should not honor anything with the honor that belongs to Allah. For indeed Allah, He is Al-Ali Al-Azim. He is the supreme one whose honor is supreme and his greatness is supreme and his glorification is supreme and far above all others. And likewise the love of Allah, it means the love that belongs to Allah alone. Pure love. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّقِذُوا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ That they are from amongst the people, those who take and that equals with Allah. They love them like the love of Allah. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ But those who believe they are more severe 
in their love of Allah because their love is not mixed with love of the idols or the associates and love of Allah together but their love is purely for Allah alone therefore the believer he should be mukhlis in his love of Allah and he should be mukhlis in his ta'zim or glorification of Allah and he should be mukhlis in his intention, in his qasd, in his niyyah because indeed actions are judged according to intention إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ and we have not been commanded وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ you have not been, they have not been commanded except to be mukhlis in the deen for Allah alone to make the deen that is the ibadah for Allah alone then he said مُخْلِسًا لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى فِي ظَاهِرِهِ وَبَاطِنِهِ and he should be sincere to Allah in his outer appearance as well as inwardly yani openly and secretly inwardly and outwardly there are those who appear to be sincere for Allah but inside it is something else and this is unacceptable because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he knows what is hidden inside and there are those who don't show outwardly any sincerity for Allah but they say they have sincerity in their hearts and this is also rejected it is also rejected and Allah knows what's in the heart but indeed a person must show outwardly obedience and submission to Allah alone and they must also be sincere in their inner being in obedience to Allah and submission to Him and he should not seek or she should not seek the true believer should not seek in their worship and here he makes clear that he means by ikhlas al-deen lillah he means al-ibadah because after all of this he said and he should not seek through his ibadah anything except the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reaching the place of honor that Allah has prepared for the believers that is al-jannah and this is like the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in Surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verse 162 and 163 قُلْ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوْلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, say, said to the Prophet sallallahu say, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ My prayers, وَنُسُقِي And my sacrifice, meaning, sacrifice here, meaning the sacrifice that we make for Allah, sacrificing animals, that it is for Allah alone as an act of ibadah. وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي And my living, the whole of my life and my dying, it is for Allah, the Lord of the world. And he has no partner in that. It is purely for him alone. And with this I am commanded and I am the first of the Muslimin, those who submit themselves to Allah alone. Likewise the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ Yani in Surah Al-Zumr, chapter 39, verse 54, that one should turn back to Allah in repentance and in obedience. Al-Inaba, it means turning back to Allah in repentance and also doing acts of obedience. وَأَسْلِمُ لَهُ And submit oneself wholly and totally to him alone. That is Allah. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 163, وَإِلَاهُكُمْ إِلَاهٌ وَاحِدٌ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الرَّحْمَنُ الرَّحِيمٌ And these ayats are clear. وَإِلَاهُكُمْ إِلَاهٌ وَاحِدٌ That your Lord, your God, the one that is worshipped, He is one. He is one. There is no other one that deserves to be worshipped except Him. La ilaha illa huwa. There is no one that deserves to worship except him. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. In the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hajj, chapter 22, verse 34. فَإِلَاهُكُمْ إِلَاهٌ وَاحِدٌ فَلَهُ أَسْلِمُونَ And your God, the one that deserves to be worshipped, he is one God. فَلَهُ أَسْلِمُونَ Therefore submit and surrender yourself to him.
Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent all of the messengers with this same message. As he said also in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 25. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدُونِ يعني, And we have not sent before you, before the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, any messenger. Except that we have revealed to him, أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except I, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَاعْبُدُونِي Therefore worship me, worship me alone. Yani Tawheed, establishing the worship for Allah alone. And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this clear in his book, as the author, Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab said, مِنْ وُجُوهٍ شَتَّةٍ بِكَلَامٍ يَفْحَمُهُ أَبْلَدُ الْأَعْمَةِ Yani, he has made it clear from different perspectives, in different ways, with speech that is understood by the most ignorant of the people. And also the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has made this clear as uh, he has come with the tahqiq of al-tawheed, yani the realization or the achievement of al-tawheed wa ikhlasihi and making it sincere, yani the ibadah for Allah alone wa takhlisihi min kulli sha'iba and to purify the tawheed from anything that might defile it or blemish it or stain it or defect it or make a defect in it wa saddi kulli tariq yumkin an yusila ila salmi and also closing every way or every road that it's possible for some defect or breach or break to enter into this Tawheed or that it might be weakened. To the extent, as it is reported in the authentic hadith, that a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said to him, MashaAllah wa shi'ta. MashaAllah wa shi'ta. It is as Allah has a will, as Allah has willed and as you will. وَشِئْتَ He said, the Prophet ﷺ responded to him, أَجْعَلْتَنِي لِلَّهِ نِدًّا Have you made me as a nid, as an equal with Allah? Have you made me as an associate with Allah? He said, بَلْ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ But indeed you should say it is the will of Allah alone. Here the Prophet ﷺ rejected what that man said. Because he has joined the Mashiach, the will of Allah, with the Mashiach of the Prophet ﷺ by a letter in Arabic, wow, which indicates equality between two things. MashaAllah wa shi'ta. Yani as though the will of Allah and the will of the Prophet are equal. Therefore, the Prophet he said, he considered this as though that person has made him as a nid, as an equal, as an associate with Allah, the mighty and the majestic. And from this also, the hadith in which the Prophet prohibited swearing by other than Allah, al-harif bi ghayrillah. And he has made this swearing by other than Allah as a form of shirk. The Prophet ﷺ considered it as shirk. And he said in the authentic hadith, مَنْ حَلَفَ بِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ فَقَدْ كَفَرَ أَوْ أَشْرَكَ That whoever swears by other than Allah, then indeed he has disbelieved or he has fallen into shirk. And this is because swearing by other than Allah, it is a form of ta'zeem, glorification or exaltation of the one who is sworn upon with in a way that يعني, it is ta'zeem or exaltation of that person in a way that belongs only to Allah the mighty. Does it, no one should be glorified in this way. And when a group of people, a delegation came to the Prophet wasallam, and it is recorded in authentic hadith, they said, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Khayrana, Wa Ibn Khayrina, O Messenger of Allah, what they have said is true. Ya Khayrana, O the best of us, Wa Ibn Khayrina, and the best and the son of the best of, of us. 
was Sayyidina, was Ibn Sayyidina, and our master, our leader, and the son of our master and our leader, the Prophet ﷺ. From these words that they said, he responded to them, he said, Ya Yuhannas, kulu biqawlikum. Say, O people, say what you have said. Wala yastahwiyannakum ash-shaytan. But don't let shaytan drag, drag pull you. And he caused you to incline towards your desires and going beyond the bounds in exaggeration and praising me or in praising anyone. Yani, if it is not allowed to praise the Prophet ﷺ in this way, then what about those who are less than him and everyone is less than him? Don't let shaytan cause you to go beyond the bounds, to go to the extreme in praising. Ana Muhammadun. I am Muhammad, Abdullah wa Rasulu. I am Muhammad, the slave of Allah and his messenger. Yani, the abd of Allah, showing that Allah deserves to be worshipped. But indeed, he has also been given the characteristic of Ar-Risala. He is a messenger. مَا أُحِبُّ أَن تَرْفَعُونِي فَوْقَ مَنْزِلَةِ اللَّتِي أَنْزَلَنِي اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّهِ He said, I don't like that you should raise me up above the station that Allah the Mighty and the Majestic has given to me. And what is his station? Al-Ubudiyya wa-Risala. Slavery, servitude to Allah and a messenger. Indeed, the author, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, has given a chapter in his book, Kitab al-Tawheed, and it is at the end of the book. It was next to the last chapter that we have taken in Kitab al-Tawheed. He entitled it, مَا جَاءَ فِي هِمَايَةِ الْمُصْطَفَى صلى الله عليه وسلم هِمَ التَّوْهِيد وَسَدِّهِ تُرُقِ الشِّرْكِ يعني What has been narrated, the reports that have come concerning the attention, the protective يعني, nature of the Prophet al-Mustafa, in protecting Himat Tawheed, yani that which surrounds the Tawheed, the sanctuary that is around the Tawheed. The Prophet ﷺ went to the extent of forbidding anything, of even getting near to the Tawheed by protecting that which surrounds it before it could actually reach the core of the Tawheed and closing every way that leads to Shirk. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made, just as He has made clear Al Islah, yani Al Tawheed in the Ibadah for Allah alone, just as He has made it clear. Likewise, he has made clear the opposite of it, the opposite of it that is a shirk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 116, That indeed Allah does not forgive that anyone practices shirk with him, that they associate anything with him, or declare anything to be an equal to him, or, or a sharer, or a partner in that which is of his exclusive right. Allah doesn't forgive shirk. But he forgives whatever is less than that. Whatever is less than shirk. And any sin, every sin is less than shirk. And Allah forgives any sin that's less than shirk. For whoever he wills, he might forgive. But as for shirk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive shirk. Also the saying of Allah in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4 verse 36. وَعَبُدُوا اللَّهِ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا And worship Allah, it is a command, al-amr, fi'l amr. وَعَبُدُوا اللَّهِ Worship Allah, yani worship Allah alone. وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا And don't associate anything with him, yani of ibadah. Don't associate anything with him in that ibadah that you are giving to him. Also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Nahl, chapter 16, verse 36. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهِ وَاجْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ And we have sent, we have raised up a mission in every ummah, in every nation, a messenger. أَنِعْبُدُ اللَّهِ That you should worship Allah. And this is also a command, to worship Allah. 
وَاجْتَنِبُ الْتَاغُوتِ And the prohibition of worshipping the ta'gut, that is all false gods, anything that is worshipped other than Allah. And the ayats concerning this matter are many, and likewise the saying of the Prophet ﷺ recorded in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, from the hadith of Jabir, مَنْ لَقِيَ اللَّهِ لَا يُشْرِفُ بِهِ شَيْئًا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ That whoever meets Allah without worshipping anything with him, then he will enter the paradise. وَمَنْ لَقِيَهُ يُشْرِفُ بِهِ شَيْئًا دَخَلَ النَّارِ And whoever meets him, يعني on يوم القيامة, while he has associated something with Allah in worship, then he will enter the fire. Here the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, in his shah, he says that a shirk is of two types. The scholars have divided shirk into different types. And here he mentions two of them, that is major shirk and minor shirk. However, some of the scholars also divide shirk into three divisions. According to the divisions of a tawheed, shirk in al-rububiyyah, in the lordship of Allah, shirk in al-rububiyyah, in the worship of Allah, and shirk in asma wa sifat, in the names and characteristics of Allah. However, here the shirk, Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, has given the division of shirk into two types, that is major and minor shirk. He said, and now al-awwal, the first one is shirk akbar which takes a person out of Islam, مخرج عن الملة, takes a person out of Islam, he is no longer a Muslim. And, and it is what? He said the definition of the shirk akbar, it is every shirk that the legislator, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the Prophet sallallahu have applied the name of shirk to it. كل شرك أطلقه الشارع وهو مناف للتوهيد منافات مطلقة Every type of shirk or every action that the legislator has given the name shirk to and it negates the tawheed in absolute negation and it absolutely negates the tawheed this is what is called major shirk like the one who offers some type of ibadah to other than Allah such as the one who prays to other than Allah or the one who sacrifices to other than Allah or the one who bows to other than Allah or the one who supplicates to other than Allah and all of these are acts of ibadah any act of ibadah that's given to other than Allah this is shirk akbar. It takes a person out of Islam. Like the one who supplicates other than Allah, such as the one who supplicates the one who is buried in the grave. Or the one who supplicates one who is absent, calling on him to save him from some matter that no one is capable of saving him from unless they are present. Yani somebody is drowning. And somebody actually can save them if they are there. But they are calling on somebody who is not present. Asking them to save them from drowning. This is also shirk akbar. And the types of shirk are well known and they have been written about in the books of the scholars. The second type of shirk is shirk al-asghar, a shirk al-asghar, minor shirk. And here he gives the definition, وَهُوَ كُلُّ عَمَلٍ قَوْلِي أَوْ فِعْلِي أَطْلَقَ عَلَيْهِ الشَّارِعِ وَصْفَ الشِّرْكِ لَكِنَّهُ لَا يُنَافِئَ التَّوْهِيدِ مُنَافَاتِ مُطْلَقَةِ Yani every action, whether it is speech, yani whether it is something you say or something you do, and the legislator has given it or applied to it the description of shirk. It has been called shirk. However, it does not negate the tawheed and absolute negation. And it doesn't negate the tawheed absolutely. Every type of action that has been given the description of, of shirk, however, it doesn't absolutely negate the tawheed. This is called, this is what is meant by a shirk al-asqa, minor shirk. Like al-haraf tighayrilai, like the one who swears by other than Allah. Like the one who swears by other than Allah. The one who swears by other than Allah, Al-Halib, the one who actually makes the oath, swearing by other than Allah, but he doesn't believe that other than Allah is to be glorified with a glorification or exaltation equal to the glorification of Allah. 
Yani he swears by other than Allah, he swears upon something or someone other than Allah, but he doesn't believe that that thing is equal in glorification to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then this one is a mushrik, shirk asghar. He is a mushrik, but it is minor shirk. However, if somebody swears by something other than Allah, believing that that thing is equal to Allah in glorification and exaltation, then this is shirk asghar. Uh, then he says, and the likeness of this type of shirk, or an example of this type of shirk, he says it is ar-riya, yani ostentation or showing off. And this is indeed dangerous. The Prophet said concerning it in an authentic hadith, the, the thing that I fear most for you, and he was talking to Sahaba. What about the people afterwards? He said, the thing that I fear most for you, it is a shirk and asgar, minor shirk. And he didn't fear major shirk for them. That was Sahaba. But today we fear major shirk as well as minor shirk. He said, the thing that I fear most for you, it is minor shirk. He was asked about it. What is this minor shirk? He said, showing off. And he's doing something that is for the pleasure of Allah, but doing it for some other reason, for people to see you, to praise you or to speak about you. And then the Shaykh says that this ar-riyah, it might reach the level of being major shirk. It is possible because a Shaykh, al-Imam ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he has given the example of shirk. He has given the example of shirk asghar. And the example that he has given for shirk asghar. It is Yasir al-Riya, yani a little bit of Riya, a little ostentation. He has given this as an example of minor shirk. And this indicates that if it is a lot of Riya, if it is ongoing and continuous and always, then it might be the level of becoming major shirk. Some of the scholars even have held the position that the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 116, in Allah, that Allah doesn't forgive, that shirk should be made with him. Some of the scholars held the opinion that this also, that this includes every type of shirk, whether, even if it is minor shirk. Therefore, it is obligatory on us to be warned from shirk absolutely. For indeed, the end of it is fatal and disastrous. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّاءُ الظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ And these are the words Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mentioned on the tongue of Isa alayhi salam to Bani Israel. He said to them, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ That whoever, whoever it may be, who makes shirk with Allah, then Allah has made forbidden for him the Jannah. And his destination will be the fire. And there will be no one to help the Zalimeen. Here at Zalimeen, the scholar of the Tafsir said the Mushrikeen. There will be no one to help the Zalimeen, the Mushrikeen. Therefore, if, it, if the Jannah is prohibited upon a Mushrik, then this necessitates that he will remain, remain in the fire forever. So whoever makes shirk with Allah, then he has indeed lost in the next life. There's no doubt about it, because he will be in the hellfire forever, and he has also lost the dunya, this world, because the proofs have been presented against him, and the warner has come to him. However, he has lost out. He didn't benefit from this world in, in any way whatsoever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning this in Surah Al-Zumr, chapter 39, verse 15, قُلْ إِنَّ الْخَاسِرِينَ الَّذِينَ
and indeed say, indeed, the Qasirin and those who have lost. They are indeed those who have lost themselves and their families. They have lost themselves and their families on the day of resurrection. And indeed, this is Al-Khusran Al-Mubin. It is the manifest, clear loss. He has lost himself because he didn't benefit from himself in this world in any way. He has caused it to be thrown into the fire. And evil indeed is the one who is thrown in the fire and the fire that they are thrown into. He has lost his family because if they were of the believers, they would be in paradise and he wouldn't enjoy them while he is in the fire. And if they are in the fire, then likewise he wouldn't enjoy them because indeed every one of them who enter, they will curse yani, his sister. Yani everyone who enters the fire will curse those who follow them. Ashirk al-Khafi. Yani here some of the scholars also said that shirk is divided into major and minor shirk and some of them said there's also inconspicuous shirk, shirk al-khafi. Yani that which is hidden or it is not detectable. And the shaykh closes here with this final point about shirk al-khafi. Some of the scholars made shirk al-khafi under yani both major and minor shirk it is possible. That major shirk can be hidden and minor shirk likewise and some have made it as a separate Division. In any case, the Shaykh he says here, know that a shirk, it is khafi jiddan, it is very much hidden. Yani there is some types of shirk that is undetectable. Indeed, Khalil al-Rahman wa Imam al-Hunafa. Khalil al-Rahman, the friend of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-Rahman, and the Imam of the people who are righteous, who are inclined towards that which is right, al-Hunafa, that is Ibrahim alayhi salam. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has narrated from him. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا الْبَلَدَ آمِنًا وَجَنُوبَنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ أَنْ يَعْبُدَ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَسْنَانِ Yani, he said that, remember the saying of Ibrahim alayhi salam. When he said, O oh Allah, O oh my Lord, make this land safe and secure. وَجَنُوبَنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَسْنَانِ and make me far removed, me and my children, from worshipping the idols. And he went on to say, although the Shaykh didn't quote the whole ayah, but it is important, he said, Rabbi inna that indeed these idols or these false gods, they have led astray many of the people. And indeed this is true as we see today that they have led astray many of the people. And therefore, Ibrahim salam, he knew the danger of a shirk al-khafi, the hidden shirk. And he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make him and his children to be far removed from it. If it is Khalil al-Rahman, Imam al-Hunafa, the leader of al-Tawheed, and he is fearing a shirk, so what about you and I? Then the shaykh said, consider the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the dua of Ibrahim, وَجْنُوبَنِي, وَجْنُوبَنِي. He didn't say, وَمْنَعَنِي. He didn't say, Prohibit me from worshipping the idols. Because the meaning of Wajanubani, it means to put me on one side and to put the worship of the idols on another side. And this is much more effective or far reaching in the meaning than saying prohibit me from worshipping idols. Because if he is on one, in one place and the worship of idols is in another place, then he is further away from it. Then he quotes the saying of Ibn Abi Mulaika, Rahimahullah, one of the great scholars of the Tabi'een. And he said, Adraktu, Adraktu, Thalatheena min Ashabi Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He said, I have met, or I have reached 30 
of the companions of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and all of them are fearing nifaq for themselves. They are not fearing hypocrisy in others. They are fearing that they themselves could be hypocrites. That is Ashab al-Rasul Companions of the Prophet He said, I met 30 of them. All of them feeling, fearing that they might have fallen into nifaq. Sahaba. Radiallahu this, this narration is reported by Al-Bukhari in his Sahih. And he reported in the chapter, in the book of Iman, under the chapter, خوف المؤمن أن يحبط عمله وهو لا The fear of the believer that his deeds would be destroyed and he wouldn't be aware of it. And that's how khafi or hidden is his shirk. The believer should fear this thing because it is hidden. He should fear that he might fall into it and his deeds would be destroyed. And he wouldn't even know it. He won't be aware of it. That's why they fear it. They fear it for themselves. Then he mentions the saying of Amirul Mu'mineen, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, the great companion of the Prophet and the second Khalifa. He said to Hudayfa ibn Yaman radiallahu anhu, Hudayfa, the, the keeper of the secrets of the Prophet the one whom the Prophet named every person who was in Medina at that time who was a munafiq. He told Hudayfa every one of their names. He knew every one of them. He never announced to the people, but he told Hudayfa. And Hudayfa, he didn't used to pray over those who were munafiqeen. And some of the Sahaba who knew this, they used to watch to see who he prays over and who he doesn't pray over. He said that Umar al-Khattab said to Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, أَنْشَدُكَ اللَّهِ هَلْ سَمَّانِي لَكَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم مَا مَنْ سَمَّى مِنَ الْمُنَافِقِينَ He said, I ask you in the name of Allah. Did the Messenger of Allah name me amongst those who he named from amongst the hypocrites? And this is considering the fact that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that he has given the good news of Al-Jannah to Umar ibn al-Khattab He is of the Ashra, the Mubashirin of Al-Jannah He is not even of the common Sahaba but he is one who the Prophet وسلم, have given him the good news that he is guaranteed paradise And he said to Hudayfa Am I amongst those who the Prophet وسلم, have named as being from the hypocrites fearing and nifaq even though he was given the good news of paradise but he feared that this might be due to what the Prophet ﷺ saw of his actions during his lifetime. But he didn't feel safe from a nifaq. He said, no one feels safe from nifaq except a munafiq. And no one fears a nifaq except a mu'min. Therefore it is obligatory on the slave, yani the servant of Allah, to be eager in seeking al-ikhlas, in seeking sincerity, yani the tawheed of the ibadah of Allah, worshipping Allah alone, and that he should strive against himself in this matter, yani to achieve al-ikhlas, he should make every effort to achieve al-ikhlas. Some of the salaf said, مَا جَحَدْتُ نَفْسِي عَلَى شَيْءٍ مَا جَحَدْتُهَا عَلَى الْإِخْلَاسِ yani that I have not striven or strove against myself, yani making jihad against my own self, in any matter, like I have striven against my own self to achieve al-ikhlas. The matter is difficult. فالشرك أمره صعب جدا ليس بهين. The Sheikh closes with the statement that indeed shirk it is a very difficult matter. It is not a light matter. لكن الله ييسر الإخلاص على العبد. But Allah subhanahu wa taala He is the one who facilitates the ikhlas for the servant. It is Allah subhanahu wa taala who gives the tawfiq to His servant. وذلك بأن يجعل الله نصب عينيه and that is that the servant, the slave he should make Allah the one that his eyes is turned towards and yani that he gives his full attention to Allah alone it is the only way that the person gives himself over totally to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may give them the tawfiq of having ikhlas. He has to turn his full direction and his attention totally to Allah alone and he has to intend by his actions the faith of Allah. This is the end of what the Shaykh has said and I just want to close with the dua as reported in Sahih and the Prophet sallallahu used to say it and a Muslim who knows the danger of a shirk and especially a shirk al-khafi and the example that has been given to us by the Imam of al-Tawheed that is Ibrahim salam of fearing a shirk then we should supplicate with this supplication that the Prophet ﷺ used to supplicate with and he told it to his companions Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika wa ana a'lamu Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika wa ana a'lamu O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you that I make shirk with you while I know Yani falling into shirk knowingly I seek refuge in Allah from that to fall into shirk knowingly However, the shirk that you don't know about, nobody maybe can be protected from such therefore the Prophet said وَأَسْتَغْفِرُكَ لِمَا لَا عَلَمُ وَأَسْتَغْفِرُكَ لِمَا لَا عَلَمُ and I seek refuge or I seek forgiveness from you for that which I don't know yani the shirk that is known I seek refuge in you to protect me from falling into known shirk and I seek forgiveness from you for that which is unknown for the shirk that anyone may fall into subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka this is the end of the first principle. Uh, if there are any comments or questions or corrections from what has been said, perhaps we can take uh, two or three minutes and we should stop inshallah after that so that we can tend uh, to the salat in the masjid. Especially if there's any need for clarification from something that I have said. Our topic today is a little longer than maybe the future uh, principles. For that reason, I was going a little quickly, so perhaps, and if something has been left unclear, you may ask about it. Now, then the questions that we have given in the handout, uh, if anyone has not gotten a copy of this, then uh, we will try to provide it. The machine stopped working. Uh, The first question is mention the title of the book under study in this course and its subject. What is the title of this book? Now, six principles. Al-Usul al-Sitta. And what is this subject? And what is the usul sitta? What is it dealing with? Naam. Naam, Omar? Yes, six fundamentals. Which fundamentals? What are they? What are they dealing with? And they are dealing with aqidah, and some of them are also dealing with other matters related to the methodology that the Muslims should follow in this world. Yani, what is our relationship to the rulers over us? How we should hear and obey them? or the scholars and the people of knowledge, who are they and who are not, and so on. Now, the second question is, mention the author's name, date of birth and death and something of his life and work. Does anybody remember his name? Now, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, huh? Al-Tamimi and Najmi. Now, when was he born? 11.15 and died? 12.06. Just briefly, something about his life or his work. In general, something about his life in general. Huh? He came from a family of scholars. Huh? His main mission, it was opposing shirk, establishing tawheed and establishing the sunnah. Naam, Umar. 
He used to write down the beneficial things in his reading and in his research. And this is also what Shaykh Muhammad al said to us in the advice that we read last week, that when you are studying, you should write down the important things that you are coming across for future benefit. Now, he called people to the Dawah Salafiyah. Dawah Salafiyah, it is the Dawah of the first generation of the Muslims. Yani the Quran and Sunnah, establishing a Tawheed and opposing a Shirk and establishing the Sunnah and opposing the Bid'ah. Naam. The way of the Sahaba. And he made jihad also. Naam. His father was amazed at his memorization. Uh, what is the, mention the first principle and its importance in Islam. Yani what is the first principle that we have dealt, dealt with and what is its importance? Al-Ikhlas. Al-Ikhlas. Naam. Ikhlas al-Deen meaning the Tawheed of Ibadah. Yani the Tawheed of Uluhiyah or Tawheed of Ubudiyah. Yani establishing the worship for Allah alone and the clarification of its opposite, that is a shirk. Naam. What is its importance? What is the importance of this principle? Naam. Naam. Is a guide for in worship. Naam. Is the key to paradise. Naam. Is the purpose for which we have been created, naam, the wisdom or the hikmah for which we were created. And it is of the utmost importance, it is the most important thing, it is the most obligatory of all obligations, tawheed. It is the thing for which the prophets, the thing with which they were sent, and the purpose for which revelation was given, and the object of our creation. It is the most important of things. Which type of tawheed is referred to in the word ikhlas ad deen for Allah? Which type of Tawheed. Yani we said that Tawheed is of different types. Here, Shaykh Muhammad, he mentioned two types, major shirk and minor shirk. However, or, or major shirk and minor shirk, Tawheed, we said, it is divided into three categories. Tawheed and Rububiyyah, Tawheed and Uluhiyyah, and Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat. Which type of Tawheed does the author intend here? Al-Uluhiyyah or Ubudiyyah. Tawheed of worship, making the worship for Allah alone. However, every type of tawheed is obligatory in the Muslims to observe. How can one achieve this ikhlas of a deen for Allah alone? What is the step that the Imam, that Shaykh Muhammad mentioned for achieving this ikhlas in deen? That the, that the believer should be mukhlis in what? In first. Huh? Naam? Proper understanding, naam. But the Shaykh, he gave some specific points. That he should be mukhlis in his qaf, in his niyyah. That is the first way to achieve this ikhlas in deen. It is that you have to be sincere in your intention that it is for Allah alone. The second of them is ikhlas in mahabba, in your love of Allah. You have to be sincere. You have to make your love purely for Allah alone. Whoever loves Allah alone, he will obey him. He will obey him if he loves him. Naam, because if you love someone, you will obey them. As the Prophet ﷺ said, as is reported in the Qur'an, Allah told him, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ If you really love Allah, then obey me, the one who He has sent you in order to obey. Naam, and the third of them he said, إِخْلَاسٍ in تَعْظِيمٍ in تَعْظِيمٍ in exaltation of Allah, making the exaltation and the ta'zim purely for Allah alone. 
because whoever exalts Allah in the way he should be exalted, they will never disobey him. It is the way to avoid disobedience. Therefore, the one who makes his intention purely for Allah and his love for Allah and the ta'zim of Allah, then this is the one who can achieve the ikhlas of deen. And likewise, the shaykh said, this should be outwardly and inwardly. Explain how shaitan has deceived many of the people in reference to this first fundamental. And what does the shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, what did he say concerning shaitan when the, when the Muslims reached that state where they were far away in understanding and implementation of the deen, what did shaitan do? How, he did, how did he deceive the people? Not worshipping the saints is like belittling them or lowering their status and not giving them their full rights. Now, and and what? Huh? That he said that whoever worships Allah alone, he said that ikhlas or tawheed and ibadah, he made it appear to them as though this is lowering the status of the saints and the awliya. If you worship Allah alone, it's as though you don't care about the awliya and the salihin. And he also made that, that is how he made ikhlas. And he made shirk appear to them as what? Huh? As love of the, he, he said that the shirk, he made, he made it appear to them as though if you do shirk, it shows that you really love the salihin. And if you call on them and rely upon them and sacrifice for them, it means you have muhabba for the salihin. Means he made it appear as though shirk, it is loving the righteous. That's why they will argue with you if you don't participate in this shirk. They will say, this one he doesn't love the awliya of Allah. Because shaitan has deceived the people in this way. Define a shirk in its division. What is shirk and what are its divisions? And in the divisions of shirk, the shaykh he mentioned two. He said what? Major and minor shirk. And how did he define, how do we define a basic definition of shirk? Associating partners with Allah, meaning offering any type of worship, whatever type of worship, if it is given to other than Allah, that is major shirk. And minor shirk? Vietnam. It is that which negates Tawheed in the absolute sense. And as for minor shirk, it is those things or actions which have been described as shirk in the Quran or in the Sunnah. However, they don't negate or nullify Tawheed in the absolute sense. Now, and some of the scholars said that minor shirk are those actions or deeds which don't nullify Tawheed, but they lead. They lead to, they are the means that lead to major shirk. Give some examples of different types of shirk in closing. What are some examples? We should be giving a lot of examples of shirk. All types. We know so much of it. Huh? Showing off. Ostentation is minor shirk. Huh? Swearing by other than Allah. Making oath in the name of other than Allah. Naam. What about the common shirk that we see in these lands today? Naam? Naam. It is also shirk in speech. Saying that Yani about that something that has passed, saying if, yani if I didn't go out today, this wouldn't have happened to me. That means that you did not accept what has happened, and it is the qadr of Allah. So it couldn't have been any way except the way Allah has decreed it now. But what about the open common shirk that is obvious? Huh? Or participating in the ceremonies of the... Not, and it could be. It depends on what way the person participates in. No doubt that participating in it in any way is haram. But as for shirk, it depends on what the person has done. 
hidden shirk is hidden shirk is one of the, the categories of shirk now shirk al-kafi but what did we say we said the hidden shirk what is it hmm? calling on other than Allah this is very common isn't it in India and Pakistan and Sudan and so many countries and in, in Africa huh? also in the Philippines calling on other than Allah now I didn't hear the first part. Keep a necklace, thinking that it will give you good luck. Yani wearing something, chain or bracelet or necklace or something or amulet, yani tamima, thinking that that thing will give you good luck, thinking that it will protect you from harm or bring some good to you. This is definitely shirk. It is definitely shirk. And it depends as we discussed in detail. If the person believes that that thing in and of itself has some power, that is major shirk. But if they think that it is a means, a means that through which some good can come to them, not that it has power in and of itself, then it is minor shirk. But it is still shirk because Allah has not legislated and made it as a means. Subhanakallah, bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfirullah wa tubi ilayhi. Anybody, if anybody will see their family on the other side now or later, please, this tape recorder belongs to the sisters. We need to get it to the sisters somehow. Somebody please take the responsibility of getting it to the sisters. Jazakallah khair. You brought it, so you...